Thank you, Jesus. 2 Timothy 2.1. 2 Timothy 2.1. Please be seated. Just stay right there. Mm. Father, we thank you so much for your anointing here. We thank you, God, because even though we are not worthy, God, you call us worthy. We thank you for everything you're doing in this church. We give you all the praise and adoration in Jesus' name. We pray, give somebody a high five and shout a loud amen in this building tonight. Come on, you can shout a louder amen. It's good to see you tonight. Uh, how many of you guys are excited for the Summer Night Series? It's going to be amazing. Uh, it, it's going to be absolutely amazing. God is going to speak to us about a selection of topics. Uh, we're going to be looking at different, different angles of the scripture. We're going to be looking at different, uh, different aspects of scripture. Some will be based off of the life of David. Some will be based off of different areas of scripture. Um, and I really battled tonight because there's just so much that I want to say. And we only have like a few more weeks left in summer. And there's a lot that I want to say. Um, but we're going to start here. says this, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier. Someone say a good soldier. Say it louder like you believe it. Say good soldier. It says, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. This is not really a pleasant portion of scripture. You're talking about suffering for Christ. This is, this is uh, scripture really talks of Paul, the apostle Paul. I'm, I'm sure we all know the apostle Paul. And he's talking to his, uh, his, his, his next in line, his um, successor, if you will, Timothy, and he's telling him, Timothy, listen, um, actually, as I write to you right now, I'm actually in jail. I'm actually in chains, and I'm telling you to be a good soldier. I'm telling you to fight the good fight because I fought the good fight. So I'm telling you to do the same thing that I did, to be able to fight the good fight. Um, interesting scripture that God would have us read tonight. Um, I want you to just know one thing, that God has called you for a purpose. Okay, That's what I want you to know. I want you to know that God has called you for a purpose. And all you have to do is just steward what he's given you. You know what I'm saying? Can we have a conversation tonight? Oh, can we, can we talk tonight? Can we talk? I don't feel like preaching tonight. I want to talk to somebody. I really want to talk to somebody who needs a reboost in their faith. Somebody who needs rejuvenation in their walk with God. I want to really want to talk to somebody like that who just says, God... What you've done with me is awesome, but I know there's more. Anybody like that in this room say, God, what you've done with me is awesome, but I know there's more. Like, you know what I mean? Anybody like that? I know there's more. Right, okay, cool. I'm talking to the right people. I just want to make sure. So God has called you for a purpose. All you have to do is to be a good steward of the gifting and the grace that he's put in and upon you. I'm talking about being a good soldier. Now, the reason why I'm, I'm so adamant about this good soldier thing um, is this plain fact that we're in this fight. 
we're in the spiritual fight. Um, you speak of the Canadian forces of the U.S. forces. They're soldiers who are enlisted in an army prepared for battle to fight to protect their nation. Now, we're enlisted by Christ to be able to stand and fight the spiritual fight. Am I with anybody? Are you still with me? We are created to be soldiers to fight the good fight. Now, the scripture in this speaks of a good soldier, meaning that there are soldiers that could be good and soldiers that could be bad. But we're talking about being a good soldier, being somebody who can stand on the day of battle, being someone who can be reliable, being somebody who I know when I pick up the phone can be there, being somebody who knows that when God says to do something or God says to say something, they're able to do it right there and then. I don't intend to be here for long. When we talk about qualities of a good soldier, thank you, musicians. Yeah, yeah, you could just stick with me for a bit. <laughs> Clap for Yayo. He's awesome. We appreciate you. We appreciate you, man. We appreciate you. What are the qualities of a good soldier? Okay. Fearlessness. Consistent. Someone say consistent. Say like you believe it. Say consistent. Number three is courageous. Number four, this is what I love so much. I did some research. Um, and they say that a good soldier is one who has the ability to exceed their own abilities. <laughs> I thought that was incredible. A good soldier is someone who has the ability to exceed their own abilities. That means that there has to be another force. There has to be some supernatural force that's giving them the ability to exceed what their natural sense can do. That's what a good soldier is. Number five says a good soldier is honest. Someone shout honest. I'm giving you practicalities and I'm going to explain why this is so pertinent at a time like this. And number six, a good soldier is obedient. Say obedient. Obedient. Now the reason why I'm giving you this scripture, the reason why I'm, I'm so adamant about this good soldier, about this thing is because like I said before, we are in a fight. We are fighting the good fight. Now uh, one of the toughest battles that you're going to have to fight in your young adult life or in your millennial life is the fight of the summer night. I'm playing. Can I come down? The fight of the summer night. Summer nights are dangerous. Someone say dangerous. Do you know what happens in the summer? People are feeling funky. Can I talk to you? People get swept up in the summer. I remember in grade 11, no, grade 12, said it was an awesome summer. I did everything I wanted to do. Just like our second year summer, we did everything we wanted to do. There was not one thing we wanted to do that we didn't do. We did everything. <laughs> but at the end of the summer, we had no walk with God. Am I telling the truth? Summer nights just have, they're just like, prof, there's just something about, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? It's like the nights, the days are longer. It's like it's 8 p.m., but the sun is still out. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's like you just have this inclination to just want to be out more. Like, it's summer, it's nice weather. I want to find a patio somewhere and just, just drink a beer or something. Not me, I'm just saying that's, <laughs> I'm saved, sanctified. <laughs> I'm just saying, that, that's, the, that's the inclination of the weather. That's what the weather kind of brings about. It brings about this culture of just sin. <laughs> Can I be honest? 
I'm talking to you, and I don't want to talk over your heads. I want to talk right to you because we're doing this together. It, it brings about this whole aspect of just want to do bad stuff. Because you have the time, because you're not in school anymore, or at least summer school. Uh, you're in this process in your life whereby you might be in a transition between a job, transition between schools, transition between a program. And there's just this whole thing of this summer night and the, the activity that goes with it and, the, and the, the adrenaline that comes with it. And so I'm giving you the keys to combat the summer night because it's dangerous. It has the ability, can I, can I talk? It has the ability to knock you off of your faith. Because you know what? In the wintertime, you had nowhere to go. Where are you going? It's cold. <laughs> Stay in your house. Don't do anything. Study and go to class. Study and, you know, go to work or whatever you have to do. But when it comes to the summer night, you just have an inclination to just want to do just bad stuff. But God has sent me here because I didn't intend on preaching this. The Holy Spirit has arrested my, my message tonight to speak to somebody and give somebody the keys to be able to stand in the day of adversity, in the day that is troubling, in the day that seems as though it's not possible. Um, and God has given me that ability. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. First Samuel 15, 1 to 9. Read the scripture and then we're going to talk a little bit. First Samuel one day Samuel said to Saul, it was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people. Israel, now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's army has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go on and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. So Saul mobilized his army at Telem. There were 200,000 soldiers from Israel and 10,000 men from Judah. Let's go on to verses five. Then Saul and his army went to a town of the Amalekites and lay in wait in the valley. Saul sent this warning to the Canaanites, move away from where the Amalekites live or you will die with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up from Egypt. So the Canaanites packed up and left. Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. Verses 8 says this, he captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fat calves, the lambs, everything. In fact, that appealed to them. Uh, they destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a, a monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. I'm just going to go verse 13 real quick, but I want to perch uh, right back there. A few things happening in this scripture. 
Um, if you look at this scripture theologically, you look at a man by the name of Saul. Can we say Saul real quick? We know this Saul guy. We know who he is. We know what he's done. He's the, the one that they anointed to be king because they were looking for a man. So they go and look, and they find this Benjamite man who is wealthy, and he has a son, and this son is very good looking, and he's all, you know, he's the guy for the job. And so they give it to this man named Saul to be the king and to govern this army, to be the one to lead them to war. God speaks to Saul uh, uh, through Samuel to say, listen, go and do this. Kill these many people. Kill all the Amalekites. Don't leave anybody. Saul goes to the land of the Amalekites, kills everybody, and takes the king and all his possessions. We have a problem here. The problem that we are encountering in this scripture is that Saul wants to eat his cake and have it. I'm, I didn't come to preach a very serious message. I came to preach this message. The message of the moment. The message of the moment is, if you're here, be here. If you're there, be there. God speaks through Samuel to Saul to say, I regret the fact that I actually made this man king of Israel. I regret the day that I decided to make him king. May that not be a portion. May God never ever look back and say, I regret that I gave Ryan the gifts that I gave him. I regret that I gave Saf the gift. Let that not be your portion. I decree that over you. It will not be your portion. May God be pleased with what he's given you because you're going to be a great steward of what he's given you. If that's you, say, that's me. Saul goes and instead of killing everything, this man takes all the prized possessions. He takes everything that he likes, all the cattle and everything. And you know what his excuse is when Samuel comes to him? Well, we we're going to sacrifice it onto Christ anyways. We're doing it onto God. And if you actually look at the scriptures, it says, Samuel, we're sacrificing these things onto your God. That means he doesn't even know who his God is. I'm, we're Read the scriptures. It says, we're I, I took all this. You know that's a lie. That's like, that's like going to a club and being caught by a pastor. Pastor, I thought that I got... Walking out of the club, just being caught. I thought that I could just evangelize in the club. Evangelize in the club. That's innovative ministry. <laughs> I thought that we could, you know, I, I thought that we could just, you know, I, I could just be, you know, Saul is there and he's saying, I kept everything that I like. Listen to me. There's some things in you that must die for what God is taking you to. It says this, Saul. <laughs> Saul says, I, I went and I did everything I was supposed to do, but yet still I kept all the cattle, the sheep, the auction, everything that I wanted. And I kept the king too because, you know, I, he's my dude. You know, he's a prominent king. I'm not going to kill the king. But Christ had to do everything. Obedience. Like the scripture says, it's better than sacrifice. So he says, I, I was bringing all these cattle and everything to sacrifice it onto your God. I don't even know the God I serve, but I was trying to do it onto your God. Because listen, at least if I kept all these things and I'm going to sacrifice it onto Christ, at, at, at least I fulfilled what you were supposed to do and, and I fulfilled what I was supposed to do. And then Samuel looks to him and Samuel says, listen, God has rejected you. God has rejected you for what you did not do. You were meant to do everything, kill everything, but because of your half obedience. Listen to me. You can't listen to messages like this every week, every week, every week, and, and God not change your life. And, and you, can't, 
listen to this every week, every week, and they decide to continually just make bad decisions. So this is, this, is, this is what we are. Like in our generation, we're having a conversation. I don't have points. We're, we're, we're talking tonight. And, and, and so this is what our generation does. We say, let's come to church to fulfill the obligations, to go and kill everything that we were supposed to kill, just like Saul. But yet we will keep what we want in the back office. We will keep what we want in our bedroom. We will keep that very thing. We don't want to kill that thing. But God says, listen. If I called you, it's because I wanted all of you to die. Because listen, the Bible says that until you lose your life, you don't have it. Am I telling, is this the gospel I'm preaching? You're looking at me like I'm not preaching the gospel. It's either one or two things. I'm not communicating properly or this is the message for the moment. The Bible says that until we lose a life, we don't have a life. We have to carry our cross and follow Christ. What is your cross? What cross do you have that you have not yet died on? What have you not yet slaughtered to the point whereby you don't even need it anymore? Listen, the thing that you need to sacrifice is the very thing that you know you can't get rid of. But yet God says that that's the one. Saul goes into the Amalekite land and he kills everything, but yet he leaves some few things. And God says, I've rejected you, not because of what you have already done. Listen, because you've already done some stuff. I, I don't care about what you've done. I care about what you did not yet do because that's what I commanded you to do. Full obedience. Someone shout full obedience. Someone say, I will obey. Like, it doesn't matter how hard it is. Understand something that if God has called you for something, there's some things that must die that you must not be able to keep with you on the level that God wants to bring you to. Are you with me? If you're with me, put your two hands together and give God a good clap. Soldiers don't get caught up in civilian life for they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Go back to my scripture, 2 Timothy 2, go on to verses 4 and verses 5. Let's read on that. It says that soldiers don't get caught up in civilian life for they can't please the officer who enlisted them. You can be in the world, but you're not of it. You see, what I love about the scripture, yeah, thank you so much. Let's go to verses four really quick. Let's read this together. Let's read this all together. Here we go. One, two, three, go. Go on, verses five. Come on, verses six. This is Paul talking to Timothy. We have two scriptures. That's all I'm bringing. Two scriptures. We're talking about Saul and his, his disobedience to what God has called him to do. And then we're talking about Paul talking to Timothy. Two portions of scriptures that are very well aligned, that are going to equip you in the deadly summer night. If God has commissioned you, if God has spoken to you not to do something, in this season, please don't do it. I don't know why I'm preaching like this today. 
then I know this is for somebody. If God has commanded you to do something, do it with everything you have. Don't hold back. Do it. Do it. Do it because God is going to sit back in heaven and God is going to judge and say, but I've given that mandate to somebody. Why are they not doing it? I, I told you to go and do this and you haven't done it, but, 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 but I'm in church. But I told you to serve. You, you get what I'm saying? I, but, but, but I love God. Yeah, but I told you to sacrifice that seed. But I sacrificed the seed. Yeah, but it wasn't the amount I told you to. We can, be, we can fool ourselves to making us believe that we are obeying Christ to a certain point because we become engulfed within the culture of church. But even if, while you're engulfed within the culture of church, if you do not check yourself and if you are obeying what God has commanded you to, you very easily slip into the religious behaviors and practices. Culture can become religion real quick. Pastor Oba, am I, am I talking? Am I communicating? Culture can become religion very quickly. The only thing that differentiates culture from religion is a few things, and one of them is obedience. One of them is obedience. I believe there's hope in this room. There's hope. There's hope that you will not fail. There's hope that you will not falter. Listen, you will not lose it this summer. You're going to make it. I'm giving you four points, and then we're going to close up tonight on being a good soldier. I want you to take these notes down. These are going to help you. We're comparing this soldier metaphorically to that of our walk as a believer, as a Christian. I'm going to be four, four good points. So I can, you can say you came to church, you got something. These points are from Alan Porg, this, this guy, this, this theologian, and I love it so much. From this scripture of Paul talking to Timothy, we get this four points. Number one is being a good soldier, you have to understand that you must be dedicated, okay? Dedication. It's number one. Be dedicated. Dedication. What are you being dedicated to? You're being dedicated to the cause. Good soldiers are dedicated to the cause. They're dedicated to their flag. If you ask any soldier why they do what they do, it's because they do it for my nation. You have to understand why you do what you do. If you're a soldier in, in this army and you've been enlisted into the army of Christ, which you have, any soldiers of Christ in this room? Are you a soldier of Christ? then you have to understand why you've been enlisted. Why are you doing what you're doing? That's what's going to keep you grounded and dedicated. I do this because I love God. I don't serve because I just love a man. I serve because of the God that is over this great assembly. I, I serve because I love God. I, I do this because I love Jesus Christ, the one who died on the cross. You have to know why you do what you do. Be dedicated. Be dedicated. Number two. I'm almost out your way. Number two be durable can someone say durability be, come on say it like you believe it durability be durable don't be easily discouraged prepare your hearts to be mistreated did you hear what I said prepare your heart to be mistreated 
I was talking to one of the young ladies in this church. I don't think she's here today. I was talking to and she asked me a question this week. She said, Pastor, how do you guard your heart? Like, you know people are going to offend you and you just, like, you know people at any point in time can walk out on you and you just st still decide to love them. I said, well, uh, didn't Jesus Christ, when he was carrying the cross, see people that he healed? Oh, y'all don't get it. As the man was carrying, not the man, Father God, forgive me, as our Lord and Savior was carrying the cross, don't you think that he was seeing people? I healed that guy in his house. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I delivered that, that leper. I, I healed that person. And as he's walking to the mount to go and die for the people who are stoning him, he still decides to love them anyways. And on the cross, what does he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So you're serving in church and someone steps on your toe and offended you. All you have to say is, Father, just forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, as they leave the church, Father, it's okay. In fact, I'll open the door for them for they know not what they do. I am the one that's rejected, but the stone that was rejected has now become the chief cornerstone. They think that they're, oh my God. They think that they are actually putting me down by stepping on my toe, but they don't know that. They're just giving me scars from my story. Oh, be seated, be seated, be seated. Prepare your heart. Prepare it to be mistreated. You're a soldier. That's why I'm talking to you like this is an enlistment meeting. It's an enlistment meeting. It's not... You're already enlisted to be a soldier. Next week we'll preach something else. Today you have to understand the war that you signed up for. <laughs> if you didn't realize, if you didn't know you were in a war, we're in a spiritual battle. <laughs> it's the battle of the summer night. It's the battle of the spiritual warfare again. Prepare your heart to be mistreated. Prepare your heart to be stamped on. Prepare your legs. Isn't that the Bible that says that if you're slapped on one cheek, turn the other cheek? What do you think the other cheek is for? For them to also slap it. If you're being slapped, why, why would you? The Bible should have then said, if you've been slapped on one side, slap the other person back. Or remove yourself from the situation. It says, turn the other cheek. As to either said, listen, Father, they know not what they do, but here's another cheek. Just, if you want to slap me, slap me. Because you're just making me stronger. You're giving me the experience that I need to handle different situations. In fact, come and offend me. Because the Bible says offenses will come. Not they may come, they will come. It's something that is inevitable. So let the offenses keep rolling. I'm just getting scars that are making my story better. You don't know you're making me a better preacher by walking out on me. You're making me a better pastor by stepping on me. You're making me a better Christian by stabbing me in the back. You're teaching me forgiveness. You're teaching me how to make it through the next level. That's what you're doing. By you mistreating me, you're making me stronger. You're making me better. So no, I won't say, stop talking about beer. Don't talk about where I'm going. No, no, continue to talk. For there's a God in heaven who watches and he protects the ones that he's chosen. For the Bible says, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. Is it my job to protect myself? No, it's my job to operate in wisdom and it's God's job to protect his anointed. If the oil continues to be on my head, there is a hedge of protection continue to talk you're making me stronger 
that's somebody's word tonight. Number three, please be seated. I have two more points for you that I want us to pray. I want to move into some prophetic ministry tonight. Point number three. Being a good soldier, you have to be deliberate. Okay? You, you must be deliberate. A good soldier is not distracted by what's going on in his or her life. Distractions can easily result in you being shot. A good soldier is not distracted. Keep your eyes on your prize. Keep your eyes on what your eyes need to be on. A good soldier is not distracted. For if your eyes are off of your opponent and you turn your eyes onto something else, your opponent has an open shot to kill you. So our eyes have to be on the prize that is Christ. And as our eyes are continually on Christ, God protects us and he shows us through visions, through dreams, he shows us through prophetic giftings what is about to happen and how to stand on a day where we're being challenged. But if our eyes are not on Christ, then how will we know? How will we know when we're being challenged? Be deliberate. Be deliberate. Know the situations you're getting yourself into. Know the circumstances you're getting yourself into. Know what you can handle and what you can't. What did I say? Know what you can what? Come on, I didn't hear you. Come on, man. Y'all aren't talking to me. Know what you can. You know, you, come on. Know what you can and what you can't. Know your limits and draw the line. I know myself and I know my limits. I know what I can handle and I know what I can't. Everybody here has to be honest with yourself about what you can and what you can't handle. Know your limits. For some of us, for some of us in this room, maybe being around people who are drinking will make you want to drink. Know your limits. Know your limits. If that's what, if you keep going in that scripture, find the scripture in there uh, that talks about being around people uh, who have who are worshiping with one heart is there? It's in that same scripture. Uh, it says something about um, uh, youthful youthful lust or something like that. Go down, go down on that scripture. You see something there. You need to know your, if that if if hanging around people who are smoking is going to propel you to do so, then know your limits of environment and know what you can and cannot handle. Because if you know that that's what's going to trigger that, then prepare yourself so that you won't be triggered into something. Is it just basic knowledge, right? But yet we don't do it. It's basic, but yet we don't do it. But God is calling us. Have you found the scripture? Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Run from anything that stimulates what? Can we read that together? Let's go. One, two, three, go. Oh no, well, we don't want to talk about lust in the church. We can't talk about that, Obis. That's that's taboo. We can't talk. Are we talking real? Someone say real talk. Summer nights is going to get hot. I'm just preparing you because next week I'm going in. Run from anything that stimulates youthful. It's not even run from youthful lust. Run from anything that stimulates it. Stimulates. That's why I said know your limits. Know what you can what? 
and what you can't. That's why I said what I just said. Because it says run from anything that stimulates it. If a conversation stimulates it, don't have it. Do you get you know what I'm saying? Is this, like, am I communicating? If you know being in one place stimulates it, don't go there. You cut all this momentum and you just want a couple weeks to just kill it? You just went to a, a four-day conference where people were coming to be like, oh my gosh, these young people are on fire. Wow. The worship was amazing. The word was, oh my gosh, the people at the outdoor, they were so, everybody's on fire for Christ. And then you just want to be like, yeah, we have the fire. We know we do. We got the fire. We got the fire. As you're telling people you have the fire, you're taking your attention off of Jesus and you're being shot in the realm of the spirit. Because as you keep saying, yes, we have the fire, all you're doing is promoting yourself and not Jesus. We have the fire. Yes, we have the anointing. Yes, we are anointed. Yes, we have fire. You know what I'm saying? I wish I had hair, I would have flipped it. I wish, I wish, I would have just, you know. I wish I had, I would have just flipped my hair. You know what I mean? But you have to understand that. As we are promoting the fire that God is bringing here, that we're not actually promoting the God of the fire. What we are promoting is the fact that we've caught it. That's what we are promoting. We're on fire. Come and see us. We're on fire. My church is lit. Come and see me. I minister. I'm on fire. Come and see me. As you're screaming, you're being shot. And your fire is going. Your oil is dwindling. And then one day come close to see the fire. They're like, well, there ain't no fire. What fire? You thought you had fire. You lost the momentum because you took your eyes off of the God of the fire. Because those who have the fire don't need to say they have the fire. You can see the fire. You can smell the You can smell the fire. We don't have to say we have it. We know we have it. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Please be seated. As soldiers, soldiers never promote, listen to this, individual mandates. Soldiers are only loyal to the nation they represent. You think a soldier is going to go out and be like, yep, it's my show. Oh, yeah, I'm the best sniper there is. What are you representing? Your nation. You're not on a separate contract. <laughs> they came and contracted me. I represent myself. You can't even be, you can't even go to war unless you're a soldier. Soldiers go through training. Soldiers are spat on to be able to show their durability. Are you durable? Because listen, this church, we are tripling. You didn't hear me. We are tripling. Put it all over the internet. Let everybody know we are going to triple. I prophesy it. I prophesy it. We are going to triple. Very soon, we're going to start seeing exotic cars coming out of this church. I'm telling you, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. 
it's coming. We will be one of the youngest churches where you see people driving Ferraris. You see people driving Rolls Royce. People driving Range Rover. You see people all over the place dropping, people buying private jets. You're seeing it from this church. These young people in their 20s and in their 30s, they're just operating like they, what? It's coming. It will happen. I prophesy it. Your life will never be the same. It's going to explode. Tell your friends that are with you right now, come and see me in the next coming months. You won't be able to recognize me. It's coming. God is going to explode your life. But this must die. Something. Listen. That thing that Saul didn't kill, it must die. But I was going to sacrifice it. I was using it for my testimony. How many times I hear that? I'm using it, I, I, but my testimony. The testimony is great. But listen to me. Don't purposely put yourself in a position to have a testimony. Tests come to you. Don't put yourself in tests. Do you hear what I'm saying? A test should come to you. Like, don't walk into the fire. <laughs> we don't walk into the fire just like that. There has to be a reason why. The reason why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked into the fiery furnace is because they understood something. That's number one. That they're not bowing to no music because their eyes are on the God of the fire. So when you walk in the fire, then there's the fourth man who's in the fire. But they didn't choose to walk in the fire. They were pushed inside the fire. The test came to them. They didn't put themselves in the test. Do you know how many times we put ourselves in tests? Is this too much or should I stop? Do you, know, do you know how many people put themselves in test trials, tribulations from my testimony? Because I'm on fire. I don't even know what this is. I'm on fire. And so, yes, my fire must be tested. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. But listen to me. Listen. <laughs> There's some trials and tribulations you don't need to go through because of wisdom. It's happened to your father, your father's father, your father's 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 father. Yeah, we're all drunkards in our family. You know, that's how my family is. My grandpa was a crazy drunkard. It was so bad, my grandmother would have to go to the bar. And every time she goes to the bar, every night she finds my grandfather in a gutter in Ghana. And she had to take him from the gutter and bring him home every night. My grandpa was so much of a drunkard before he met Christ. They called him the man that eats drink. Like he eats it. That's how bad it was. That thing was just in our family lineage. That my dad one day had to rise up in the whole family and he had to break that altar in the family. And he came and told us, he said, listen, boys, never go near alcohol because it's our family weakness. So only a foolish boy will go and touch the fire. When your father said, don't touch the fire, it will bend you. What did I do? Touch the fire. I get burned but if I listened to wisdom I would have known let me not touch the thing because maybe for everybody else they can start and they can stop but as for me it's a spiritual altar that if I go near I'll be able to stop you have to know you have to know the very thing that Saul couldn't kill that very thing that Saul should have killed. You know what it did? I'm setting this up for next week. 
it was a divine setup that God used Saul's no, this is too deep. No, let me stop. Let me stop. No, let me stop. Let me stop. I don't want to mess up some people here. It was divine setup so that Saul would show forth his weakness so that David could get the oil. It's like I always say, when someone else is messing up, someone else is warming up. There was a David warming up when Saul was messing up. And the end of the scripture says that, and the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and lifted off of Saul. But listen to this, the title didn't leave Saul, just the spirit lifted off of Saul. You can be a pastor without oil, a prophet without revelation, because it's a gift. Do you hear what I'm saying? Be a Christian with no fire, a soldier with no tact, but yet still have the title on them. It, it said that he didn't kill what he was supposed to kill. And that's what led to David's elevation. We're going to get into David next week. We're going to pick it up from where I left off. Last point I'm giving this to you as we stand up on our feet. Last point is to be diligent. Can you scream that to me? Say, be diligent. Come on, say it like you believe it. Be diligent. In this army of the Lord, we don't have room for part-time believers. Did you hear what I said? In this army of the Lord, there's no room for part-time believers. It's either you're in or you're out. It's either you go to the Amalekites and you kill everything or you enjoy everything and the spirit lives. Is an ultimatum. It is the great ultimatum, which is you want the anointing, you want the oil, you want, I need to see visions, I need to see dreams, I, I need to do the next thing that God has sent for me, I need to go to that level of breakthrough. But you won't get there with a lukewarm lifestyle. Do, like, do you understand what I'm saying? I've lived Luke from, I understand what it is. I understand what it is to go and do everything you're supposed to do, but yet keep something. You know what I'm saying? In, in the name of my weakness. In the name of God is working on it. No, God can work on stuff, no doubt. We all have weaknesses we need in areas. But all I'm saying is that your weakness at level one should not be your weakness at level 10. That's all I'm saying. Is that you should overcome weakness by wisdom. Because if you know you're not meant to be there, then you leave that place. That's no longer a weakness. Because your weakness is perpetuated and stimulated. Youthful lust is stimulated when you are somewhere doing something with someone thinking about. You only get triggered a thought when you are seeing such a thing. So you protect yourself. You find out the places where you go that will trigger and stimulate not be the generation that says that God 
we have the title of being on fire but the spirit has left us God forbid that will not be a portion that is not our portion we will not be the port we will not be the generation like Saul it was a Saul like behavior that says we have the title of a king but yet the spirit of God has lifted off of us not being serious with what God has given us and we weren't stewarding what God has given us somebody somewhere picked up the mantle for the nation the mantle is here the oil is here God is enlisting you lift your hands let's pray come on I want you to begin to pray out like you have lost your mind and pray say God I don't listen I don't know what it is for you I know what it was for me I don't know what it may be for you but if God is calling you to go to the Amalekite land and to kill everything including the one thing that is your weakness including the one thing that you can't let go of God is calling you to get rid of it I want you to pray right now and say, God, give me the grace, reveal to me the wisdom on how to handle this because I know myself. Let's not be fake. Let's not lie to ourselves. Don't lie to yourself and get caught into the religion and the culture of church. Break that mold and say, God, I know what it is. Come on, lift up your voice right now. Where are my prayer warriors? Where are my prayer pastors? Come on, lift up your voice. I want you to pray. Say, God, just this one thing that is there, I need you to take it away. I need you to break that box. Break that thing. Lift up your voice. Begin to pray. Lift up your voice. 